This is a wonderful time of the year when we get to celebrate so many things. And many of these, uh, they involve emotion of our lives, of events taking place, the ones we love and transition, our children growing up, the events we have usually with June weddings and all the things of our culture. We are frail people with our heart. We must, we need to believe in something, in someone. Last Sunday we talked about how we're made of jars of clay. But the wonderful thing is God takes the pieces and puts them back together and makes us greater than we were before because he instills within us the love that is eternal. Today we continue with the study here of Paul writing to the church at Corinth and he's now diving even deeper into the pole. He's diving even deeper into this place of growth and understanding. I've shared this story before and I'll share it briefly. Years ago when I was a teenager, I didn't know how to swim. I do now, but I didn't then. And I was at a pool at Fuquay Verena, here. They were our arch rivals along with Western in football. Fuquay had a great football program and a friend over there had a pool and I went over one day and while they went inside, I decided I would swim a few laps and then got halfway across the pool and had a cramp or panicked. I don't know what happened. But I went underneath the water, and I remember looking at the light on top of the water. And in my innocence of the moment, I was ready to see God. There was joy in my heart. Now, a friend of mine saw me, and he ran out the house, jumped in, and pulled me out, and said I was fighting him the whole time. I would have been a statistic had he not seen me, but God did not want that to take place. I reflect on that moment because that was one of those moments that the heart of the matter, it shows us the direction of our life. And Paul is touching upon that here where he's saying that believing in something gives us power to speak about it. It's never easy to speak about our vulnerabilities or our sorrows. But when we believe so much in something, and someone, we want to tell others about it. So we believe and we speak. There's a lot of language right now in our culture, a lot of anger. People are hollering at each other. I even hate watching the news because all they do is screaming at each other. Everybody's angry and they're speaking. But it's hard to hear because of all the noise and the anger but there is a voice speaking truth, and that voice is speaking the blessing of God, of real people living in real life, talking about real things. I enjoyed the valedictorian speech yesterday. I loved it, actually. I took notes um, about the class saying we are the future and how it's up to us to make the difference. And I think of this eagerness our young people have when you get a little older and you have a few more scars, well, <laughs> uh, you're a little hesitant because life can throw you for a loop in a second. But when you're younger, you see the opportunities and you see God's amazing grace by the grace of God. And that youthful enthusiasm is this ability to believe and to speak. Imagine Saul now becoming Paul and he's now speaking a new language. 
The language he is speaking is not the old language of law and rule and regulation and of all the hierarchy and politics. He's out of that. And now he is speaking the pure gospel, just like Wesley did, just like Whitfield did. The pure gospel, unabated for a people who are hungry and needing to hear hope. I think that's one of the reasons that my preaching in this period of time resonates like it does is because every sermon is about hope. Every sermon is about peace. It's about love. It's about things that are of God. And I believe it, therefore I speak it. It is what I do. And here Paul is saying we believe and we speak. And then he carries it more than that. He says more and more, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Sisters and brothers, what a wonderful day it will be when this nation unites in a common voice of peace and hope and we set aside all the anger and bitterness that has divided us so And the church must lead the way to this day. It will not come through politics. It will not come through Washington. It will not come through philosophy. It will not come through technology. It will not come through teachings of this society. It will only come on bended knee to a loving and living God. See, this more and more is what the Christian has. This ability to have more and more. That's like me at the dinner table. More and more. Are there any more butter beans left? Is there any more chicken left? I enjoyed that meal we had, you know, for our graduates and for the welcoming and uh, also the going away and just coming together and how God has blessed us, this ability to be more. But see, we need to think of our faith in more and more context instead of less and less context. When I was in college, when we ordered a pizza in the dorm, or I did, it was me and my roommate, Neil McNeil. I used to always ask, uh, just when I talked to Neil, I'd say, Neil McNeil, what time is it? And he'd say, I don't know. And I'd say, 11-11, Neil McNeil. That's a little inside joke. You have to think 11-11, Neil McNeil. It's like the same. Well, but we would take a towel and stuff underneath the door because we had guys on the uh, you know, floor that could smell pizza a mile away, and they'd come bang on the door, going, do y'all got pizza in there? And we go, we ain't got no pizza in here. You just go away. We don't want you to come by. See, we live in a world of scarcity instead of a world of abundance. But the faith we live in is of abundance. God gives to us more and more. If you want to know that, look at love. Look at what love does. You fall in love and you live your life and you find out you're more in love and you continue to be in love and then you have children and the love expands and then love becomes more and more. See, God has given us the ability to have more and more. We're able to see more and more, hope for more and more, do more and more. My daddy in the early 1950s was in a snowbank in Korea fighting a war. And we're at the verge of perhaps a peace treaty that has not existed. That war has never ceased. Why can't we hope for more and more? See, we get caught up in the less and less. And uh, we we even have people right now arguing about, uh, you know, whoever's over there trying to get peace. They're, They're mad they're trying to get peace. And and I just, I can't, uh, people, I don't understand people. 
It's like more and more. That's what God is saying. Let us hope for more. And Paul is saying to the early church, you don't need to go into this thinking this is all there is. There's more and more. There are more people that will come. There are more souls that will be saved. There's more life to be given. And we here at Spring Hill have been so blessed because God is opening up the gates of more and more. And I think we're loving each other more. I think we're holding each other in, in just closer relationship more. My prayer is that we're seeing the needs of each other more and more. See, God is giving us this, and he says this grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow. Overflow. Mercy me. And then he continues and he shows us how this is done. He says it's not in the seen, it's in the unseen. So what are the things we're not seeing right now? We have to look closely to understand the things we cannot see or the things that hold us together. God is binding us together so do we do not lose heart. And I can tell you, every single day, the danger of losing heart lurks at the door. Every single day. There's so much depression in our culture. So many people who are having not just bad days, but they're having uh, a psychological and physical issues around sickness. And we're feeling like there's no hope. And we think we got to have another surgery or we got to go through another day or we got to go through another day of worry or no matter what. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty upset. Starbucks is raising their prices. Did y'all see that? I, I'm a little bit upset at them. They've been mean to everybody like the airline's been mean to everybody. When did customer first go out the door in America? Used to, the customer was always right. Now the customer's always wrong. And Lord have mercy, the airlines are saying they're going to start charging by the pound. And I don't like that. I don't like that idea. And they're going to make the seat smaller and more narrow. You might as well just put us in cattle cars and just haul us everywhere the way you treat us. And they don't even throw us peanuts anymore. Used to, you'd fly and they'd give you a peanut. And I'd say, can you go eat your peanut? And the neighbor, I want my peanut. Okay, well, you want your peanut? Okay, I like those airline peanuts. They're real good, but the bag is so hard to get into. And when you try to get in the bag, you spray them around three rows. They just fly everywhere. I mean, you're 30-some thousand feet in the air. What do you expect will happen? See, we need to live a life not of less and less, Paul is saying, but more and more because now God is filling our lives of grace. So when he takes up the pieces of our brokenness and he remakes us in a greater form, we have more capacity than we've ever had before. In actuality, there's no limit to the ability we have in grace because God has given us the ability to be more thankful, to be more giving, and to be more blessed in our lives. More blessings can come to overflow to the glory of God. So he says, we don't need to lose heart. Even though outwardly we look around and wasting away. You can see that in the cities and you can see that in the country. Houses that used to be there or still are, and now they're not much to look at. You remember that episode of Andy Griffith with a man that lived on the edge of town? They were having a thing where they welcomed visitors to the town, and the man's place looked real bad. <laughs> you remember that episode? I know every episode of Andy Griffith. We talked about this at Bible study the other night. I have one of those photographic memories of, you know, TV. 
when I was a boy, I watched it. I sit right there and watched it. And in this episode, they help the man clean up his yard so he'll be a good presentation for people that come to Mayberry so they can see that there's more to Mayberry than this old broken down house and this broken down fence. They can see the better nature. See, God gives us that. Therefore, let us not lose heart, but we need to see we're not wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and our momentary troubles, <laughs> they don't seem momentary at times. We break a bone, we have a surgery, somebody leaves, our hearts are broken, we grow older, we look and the nest becomes empty, time and its troubles. Yet Paul is saying we need to keep sight of these just for the moment. These are just for the moment. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is not seen. We fix our eyes not on the temporary, but on the eternal. And that is what I celebrate. This week, we'll go to annual conference, won't we, Miss Norma? I'll see a lot of pastors that I entered into the ministry with. And in fact, my brother's retiring this year. Can you believe that? That leaves me the only one still in the battle right now until Hannah takes up the sword. Right now, she's changing diapers up at Long's Chapel. <laughs> That's her ministry output. She changed 50-some diapers the other day. I said, baby, it can go up from here. I said, don't you worry about it because every one of those children will be happy you changed their diaper. Sometimes you got to deal with that in life. That's what was the assignment they gave her, being the new kid on the block, and she's moved up now to helping with worship and other things. But we'll go to annual conference, and we'll see these pastors, and they'll be retiring, and there's all kinds of troubled words in the wind, and people are worried about denominations, and they're worried about our culture, and they're worried about somehow we're going to be lost, and we're not going to find our way. And we'll have people trying to take advantage of it, and they'll be on this side, and there'll be people on that side, and there'll be angry words spoken here, and angry words spoken there, and I'm going to walk right in the midst of them with a cup of coffee. I'm going to say, what's your problem? What you're worried about? Is your God not big enough? Is your faith not strong enough? What's wrong with you people called Methodists? Now, usually when a person speaks with such boldness, and they make them a bishop, but they ain't letting me nowhere near that. Because you know what? God gives this church a million dollars. Guess how much we spend in next year? A million dollars. Now, Brad, he's saying, what did he just say? <laughs> Brad's going, what? What did he just say? Sisters and brothers, it's time. It's time. We don't need to wait for the rainy day. It's time. It's time we need to trust in the unseen what God is going to do. It's time that we need to go forward. It's time that we need to build. It's time that we need to grow. It's time that we need to give. It's time that we need to invest in these children and the future. It's time. The church can't sit back and wait for it to happen. It can't sit back and wait unless God decides to give me the powers of Moses, which I will take. I'll walk on that pond if he'll let me. But I'll sink right here today. 
But I'm guaranteeing you right now, he has not given that power for us, only the power of the unseen, of being able to believe in what we do not see, yet God sees, and God sees it in us, and he sees it. See, don't you know what the story says? It says the church is eternal. It's the bride of Christ. We are the called ones, the chosen ones. We're not here because of happenstance. You are here because you're part of a family. You have been marked by God. God has seen something in you that you don't even see in yourself. And that's an eternal creature, able to love for eternity and to live for eternity. Some people don't even want to live temporarily. But me, I want more. I want eternal. And that's what he says. Now we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, sisters and brothers, it happened. My family, my sister and her family, in the house fire, we had cremation done. It was a hard decision, but we made that decision. And when my mother passed away, and then my father passed away, they requested, because of Donna and her family, that they be cremated. Now me, when my day comes, I'm not going to be cremated. I'm going to make poor souls carry me. It's just my, my prerogative. I'm going to ask them to put some extra bricks in the casket so they'll struggle a little bit. I want them to struggle while they carry me, but don't you drop me because I'll haunt you. But my daddy was cremated. And I remember the day we gathered at the cemetery and all the families gathered around and they're weeping and they're crying and I have the remains, the ashes, and I held my daddy in my hands. And I realized those were the earthly remains, but the unseen were the heavenly parts of the body that is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, now I have no plans to go leaving anytime soon. Let me make, make that real clear. But I want you to know that I may tape a sermon before I go so you'll hear it. I don't hear no whining. I don't want to hear no crying. Or I don't want to hear he was a good man. I don't want to hear any of that. All I want to hear is he loved Jesus. That's all that man talked about. That's all he preached about. That's all he believed and he spoke it every single day and he lived it. I want people to know what the truth is. There are certain things worth living your life for. And the one thing is believing in Jesus the Christ and letting your family be affected by that, letting your life be affected by that, letting your hope be affected by that. You enter into this holy covenant and we know that as this earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal home, not built with human hands. Sisters and brothers, I don't even know which end of the nail to drive. I don't even know the measure twice and cut once. Uh, if, if you want me to design it, this house would not be straight. But God is building it. God is making it immaculate. God is making it where it belongs to us. So when I go to conference and I hear all this negativity and I'm just going to drink my coffee and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to see God's hand at work 
From the time I was a little boy, I attended that conference with my dad. Every year I would go to see the show. <laughs> and Lord, we have some pastors that are shows. And Miss Laura is a saint among the pastors. But we have others that, uh, well, they love to preach on sin because they know sin. <laughs> Sisters and brothers, you don't have to know it to preach about it. You just need to know love. And if you know love, you know what's best. If you know love, you know what can heal the family. If you know love, you know what can make the next day livable. If you know love, you can overcome the surgery. If you know love, you can overcome all the obstacles life may throw at you. If you know love, you know all there is to know because love points us a direction that God would have us go. And the only path to heaven is the path of love. See, I preached, I believe, I speak. Let our words of our heart be the manifestation of our lives. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may grow in grace on this day that you have poured out your love upon us and the grace you have given. Lord, we believe and we speak and we live. Help us to know more and more in all that we do that you are working a great miracle in our lives and then let us Accept that miracle, no matter what it takes and where it takes us. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray. Amen. Our service of Word and Table 3 on page 15, I invite you to turn. I invite the communion stewards to come forward now for intention. <clears throat> 